Hi, and welcome to That's My Rini podcast. My name's Alicia Myronic, and I am your host and creator of this fun new concept. But first, what exactly is Myrony? Well, Myrony, or my irony, are those crazy coincidences that happen in life that you just can't explain. It's also another word for sign or synchronicity. We've all experienced these throughout our lives, but what if you started paying closer attention to your myronies? What if you started connecting the dots, or as I like to say, follow the spiritual breadcrumbs that could have an impact so big that it changes your life forever, not to mention the lives of others. Now that's myrony. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to That's Myrony Podcast. I am so excited because first off, I am now recording from Puerto Vallarta, and I am here with my dear friend, Julie Ann of Casa de Influencia, but she's way more than that. So before I bring on Julie and also my guest co-host, Dr. Theodis Gamut of Sharing, I'd like to share a little bit about Julie. So Julie Ann is the founder of Influencing Publishing Incorporated and the owner of the House of Influence Retreat Center in Puerto Vallarta and a TEDx speaker. In the last 10 years, she has published over 300 authors and specializes in multiple author compilation books. She claims to be the world's only dyslexic book publisher and her TEDx talk, talks this, and her TEDx talk that's a, that's a tongue twister, actually. TEDx talk. Yeah. <laughs> Her TEDx talk on the gift of dyslexia has had over 100,000 views. She has been featured on British and Canadian TV, the Daily Mail, international radio and podcasts, and conducted many inspirational speeches. She has won many awards, including the Golden Gavel Speech Contest, International Toastmasters, Woman of Worth Success, and Soul and Unlimited Women of Creativity. She is the best-selling author of Around the World in Seven Years, A Life-Changing Journey. She is a member of the New York Circumnavigators Club as the slowest circumnavigator, <laughs> <laughs> traveling from the UK to South Africa, Tanzania. I don't even know how to say that. Dar es Salaam? Dar es Salaam. Dar es Salaam. Okay. Zanzibar, <laughs> Kenya, Seychelles, Maldives, Chagos, Wow, and it just keeps on going and going. The final leg <laughs> from Mexico City back to the UK. She is a resident of Puerto Vallarta and the owner of the House of Influence Retreat Center, where she hosts collaborative book retreats, TEDx training retreats, and other health and wellness retreats. And she's a dual citizen of the UK and Canada. So, oh my goodness, Julie, you are, <laughs> I can't even say. I mean, when we say Casa de Influencia, House of Influence, you are just all of that and more. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's been quite the life. <laughs> well, and the reason I, I mean, we want to dive into your life, how you got here, but a lot of it is on the spiritual side of what Casa de Influencia, how that even came about. And mm. so um, I wanted to have Dr. Theodis Gamet. Uh, who is the founder of Sharing, which for those that don't know, stands for, is a nonprofit that's actually uh, under a different designation known as a 
uh, C1A. So it actually allows nonprofits to be profitable and show other people how to be profitable. And it stands for Sending Hope and Rebuilding into National Goals. Um, and one of the things that I uh, seem to be very good at is knowing how to connect people, which is also how uh, Julie is also a master connector. But our mutual friend, um, Michelle Abraham, was the master connector who is the reason I got connected to you, Julie. And so I share this in episode 75 of this podcast of how I came to Casa de Influencia uh, for the first, um, it was actually the first retreat uh, for podcasters that Michelle Abraham and her brother Brayden did with Amplify You, which is our podcast management company. And, um, and you actually opened a door besides having the most incredible retreat ever. You told me to stay an extra week or however long. And then you said to me, welcome home. And there's a reason I want to go into this a little bit later because, um, I, but first I want to hear, Julie, how did you, I mean, you said you, you, you circumnavigated the globe as the slowest, as the slowest person. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And how, so, okay, so you're from the UK, uh, you moved to uh, Vancouver, correct? Um, well, that was kind of part of the whole uh, around the world in seven years. So ooh. the, yeah, so uh, around the world in seven years um, actually includes, because you, you travel in the same direction continuously. So I was actually traveling, traveling continuously for seven years, crossing every latitude of the world. And so part of that around the world actually included Canada. Um, and then I sailed uh, down from the Canadians, so from Vancouver Island, I sailed the west coast of uh, America down to the Sea of Cortez, uh, Mexico, and then navigated uh, by road to Mexico City, and then flew back to England from there, which was the last kind of leg of the trip so to speak um and uh so once I got back to England then I had that opportunity to think okay well I've been away for seven years so where in the world would I want to live because you know I had experienced I, I don't know lived in maybe 35 countries I lost track but you know a lot a lot of countries and so um I decided that I wanted to return to Vancouver in Canada so I I uh, settled there and I as as a result of getting my residency I had to um, not work for a year so it was it's one of the crazy things about Can Canada is that when you when you get sponsored for immigration uh, you are not permitted to work at all and so that's when I wrote my book because I thought well I can't just not do anything for a year so I wrote my book and then I started to investigate uh, you know how to publish my book um, and after a year of, of doing you know many workshops and, and a lot of research because at that time um, you know self-publishing had only just started it was very very new um, in the marketplace um, so I was right in at the at the kind of ground level of of all the different ways that you could publish. And so kind of as a result of that, I ended up then helping other people uh, write and publish their books. Um, and that kind of led me to then creating uh, the the publishing corporation 
um, in uh, in Canada. Um, but my relationship with Puerto Vallarta is that um, I I very quickly missed uh, the sun <laughs> and the warmth, and uh, and Puerto Vallarta is really the closest um, to to uh, Vancouver. It's only a four hour flight from Vancouver to Puerto Vallarta. So um, I I made this kind of my winter uh, uh, I guess. A playground <laughs> uh but i was i was i was really i uh, uh gradually it got more and more but every year i would come and do writing retreats here in puerto vallarta so i would find somewhere to rent and then you know the first time was one month and the second time was three months and then the, the third time was six months and then eventually i said you know i might as well just live here so <laughs> so that's when wow. i moved here which was about five years ago so that's the first time that i actually moved here and uh and that's when as you know alicia life really changed drastically when i when i met azuka Yes, which we're going to go into because that is the story of how Casa de Influencia came about. But okay, so I just want to look timeline. So when did you actually do that trip around the world so many times? Because you've had your publishing house for for quite a while now. Yes, yes. So uh, basically, it was the um, uh, millennial that I started. So it was um, I, I flew from England to South Africa um, in 1999. And I was um, celebrated the millennial in Zanzibar. I remember it really Ooh. well. <laughs> and um, and so then that was seven years, basically, um, around the world. So that takes me to like 2007. Um, so it would have been around 2008 that I um, published my book, 2008, 2009, that I published my book. And then basically 10 years um, in Canada and spending some winters here. And then the last five years um, here in Puerto Vallarta, full time. Wow. Yeah, she's got quite the story, doesn't she? <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, how, far is, how far is... Um... I always have a hard word with hard time with this Porta Varharta. Porta, yeah. Porta Vallarta, yeah. It's it, actually okay. you know Vallarta is because the two Vallarta. L's is 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 with a yeah. They pronounce uh, a Vallarta. double L as a yeah, so it's Vallarta. Vallarta. <laughs> uh, but, oh, that's easier. Okay. Yeah, that's right. How far uh, is uh, Porta Vallarta <laughs> from uh, Vegas? Oh, not that far. It's probably about the same flight. It, yeah, I would about, guess. It, without, yeah. without, yeah, it can, it's like four and a half hours, four hours, mm. something like that. I mean, they don't have direct flights. That's the difference. So, you know, you usually stop. Like I stopped in Denver, which was only an hour and a half flight. And then it was another two and a half hour flight. So it's, yeah, yeah. it's not far at all. Um, it's not far from anywhere. It's It's like, that's why as a destination, this is so amazingly popular because uh, it's very, very easy to get to. And there's more and more direct flights. Um, every winter, there's more direct flights. Well, yeah. I want to get into your soulmate love, Azuka, that is the influence of why Casa de Influencia happened. And this mm -hmm. is a story that I've been wanting to record forever. But I just <laughs> want to bring into one of the reasons I am so excited of getting this story recorded is when we were here for the retreat, 
we went to some, uh, our, our friend uh, Kimberly Dake was, um, she had a friend, an expat that would happen to be in Puerto Vallarta. Uh, you know, Kimberly actually lived in Canada, was living in Florida, then moved to like the Cancun area. And then she came for this retreat also. So the fact that this person, um, that they connected during this short period of time, we went there and I'll never forget because Brayden, I asked him to take a picture of a little baby Yoda. And I have no idea because when we were coming back from uh, driving back from this place, there's Julie tapping on something in the back seat. I don't know what she's tapping on. And then she gives me this little guy, baby Yoda. <laughs> oh, when you're the one. <laughs> I was wondering. She she takes that everywhere. I said, what's up with this baby Yoda thing? Now I get it. Now the funniest thing, Julie, is even though Yoda's is like, uh, you know, ex-Marine and communications, so he's really like the Mandalorian. I call him baby Yoda because he's been <laughs> given this vision from God when he, and so I feel like he's been stuck in his little egg. And he's been kind of kept from the world for 40 years, trying to figure out how to help humanity. And that's what he's creating through sharing. So I call him Baby Yoda. So I just thought this, I just had to bring in. So <laughs> listeners, I'm literally showing this adorable, crafted, like crocheted Baby Yoda. And he's just awesome. So, you know, <laughs> awesome. I just, I had to bring that one in. Because seriously, Fabulous. how did you get that Baby Yoda for me? Like what, oh. what, what, what possessed you to get that baby Yoda? It was the best, the best little surprise. He, he does go everywhere with me. He's my little Well, friend. I mean, I know that we were, we were talking about, you know, the, the, uh, all the great mysteries in life. And we, we kept making little Star Wars references <laughs> all the time. And, uh, you know, I think, I think when I saw it in that bar, I was like, oh my God, Alicia has to have that Yoda. She totally has to have it. So, yeah, so I I think just as we walked out, you must have been walking in front and I just grabbed it and paid cash for it. And then and then I guess I must have just, you know, been holding it and you didn't realize what I had in my hand. So, yeah, well, yeah, was... you had it in like this little plastic container. So it looked like a little I was like, where'd you get this little drum from? But what's so <laughs> funny is that I asked Braden specifically to take a picture of that. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, when people are like, oh, you manifested. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I just love that so much that it was just like it was so divinely given. I was like, yeah, he goes with me everywhere because the power of what we are talking about Star Wars. I mean, when people really want to look at the beautiful spiritual messages within Star Wars, but I want to mm -hmm. go into the story of Azuka because yes. this is really Yoda's get ready to hear an incredible story. So please share <laughs> okay. Azuka, how we can share Azuka. And I do feel like you should, you should write this as your story, even though you're publishing in the, the Got Myrony. We're going to be doing the book. You're going to be the publisher for Got Myrony. Uh, oh, cool. Life is good. Book one. You should write the story of you and Azuka as a story. If you, if, you know, because yeah. he, he's part of all of it. 
Yes, yes. Well, okay. So I guess um, I'll just, I'll start by just framing that, um, you know, when I came down to live full time in Puerto Vallarta, um, within a few months, um, I met Azuka. Now, Azuka is his um, kind of stage name, if you like. Um, it means sugar um, in in Spanish. Um, he is a, uh, a salsa teacher. And um, I met him um, at a Cuban uh, nightclub here, which is uh, a place has live salsa music every single night. And um, and I had I was just you know kind of sitting watching because at that time I was not a dancer, and um, and he was he was just like this beacon of light. Um, you know everybody had told me about Azuka. Um, he was you know he's not much taller than me. I'm like five foot three. You know small small beacon of light you know very big but very small um in stature <laughs> and uh and he was you know the honestly the 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 sweetest kindest most joyful person i had ever met in my whole life and um he just emanated this absolute joy he had this big smile from like you know ear to ear and um everybody just completely adored him and they called him sugar that was his nickname because he was so sweet and um, so when I when I met him, um, he was immediately like uh, totally drawn to me and uh, and absolutely insisted that I dance with him, even though there was like 20 women literally in line waiting to dance with him because he just wow. he just brought the real joy out of people when he danced. And uh, anyway, I started to dance with him and I was like, oh, my goodness, like I don't have two left feet. I can I think I can actually dance. And so um, he gave private lessons. And so the following day I had arranged for him to come to my home um, uh, where I was holding a writing retreat. But that that week was a week where there was nobody else there. And uh, he came to my home for, for to give me a salsa lesson. And at that time, I spoke absolutely no Spanish and he spoke no English. And what? yet we had the I would say the 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 deepest connection and and conversation that I'd ever had with anybody in my whole life. And um, and basically he never left. So, you know, he came to what? give me a salsa lesson and he never left because once we made that that soul connection we were i mean honestly we had 3 days where everybody wondered what happened to us because we were in such a deep soulful conversation with no language whatsoever like no words we were able to communicate um like just through our actions our feelings um you know every now and again uh, we would use the 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 translator you know if we just kind of like if there was some misunderstanding but basically it was like three days of soulful communication and it was the connection was incredible i mean he was clearly my soulmate he was uh we were we were clearly um uh meant to be together and meant to meet and uh we we proceeded to have the most um joyful and and incredible uh relationship where um everybody um saw this miraculous change in me um apart from anything else i um my background is from england i i was i was uh, around and raised by margaret thatcher who i don't know if you know but she was known as the iron lady um you know very um 
you know, very sort of harsh, very masculine. Um, and that was me. That's who I was. I was, you know, I was a businesswoman. I was very successful in business. And uh, I had that very sort of like, you know, like ironclad kind of cage around me. Um, I remember Azuka was amazed that he never saw me cry. He would cry at everything. He would cry at movies. He would cry at babies. He would cry if he saw somebody homeless on the street. He would always cry. And he would like be, you, I have never seen you cry. And I'm like, well, no, because I was raised, you know, as a woman, right. uh, never to cry. You know, it's like, you know, do not show your weakness, you know, don't cry. And so um, he never, never saw me cry. And uh, I remember the... I can't remember like when it was that the, the very first time that I did cry, but I think it was probably a, a movie. And, and I was really taken aback by the emotions and that I was actually crying. And I was like, wow. And, and, and he was like, well, yes, because over that time, he just really, he brought out the, 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 the feminine in me. He brought out the best of me. Um, he, it was just so joyful around me. Like every morning I would wake up and there'd just be like this big smile in my face, you know, just like, it's, you know, it's the first thing I would wake up to and he would, he would sing and he would dance and just a very, very joyful person. And we literally danced through life. And so, uh, we were very inspiring during COVID, um, whereas everybody else, a lot of people were in fear and isolated, um, we were exactly the opposite here in Puerto Vallarta. There was not much, uh, no, nowhere near the restrictions from the rest of the world. So we were still dancing. Um, and even when oh. they did kind of close the clubs down, you know, we went on the beach and we were dancing on the beach and we were, we did a lot of Facebook lives and, you know, we were really inspiring people to, to be joyful and to stay in that joy, even though during COVID, you know, a lot of people were in a lot of fear and so we were literally dancing through life together and um you know we had a lot of people followers a lot of people very inspired uh by us and when we were able to um travel again uh we i took him to vancouver and a lot of people you know connected with him on a very deep level i mean he he was just like completely uh he was like an earth angel um, you know, he was just the kindest, most generous person I've ever, ever come across. He could not even walk by somebody who was homeless. Uh, he would do anything he could to help people. He was like extra vigilant. So, you know, I remember we were in a coffee shop once and we we're in the middle of a deep conversation and suddenly just jumped up and ran across the street. I'm like, where did he go? What happened? And he, <laughs> out of the corner of his eye, he'd seen this woman in a wheelchair who had tried was trying to cross the road and because he saw her out the corner of his eye he just jumped up and he ran to help her and that's just how he was he was like his peripheral vision was he was so aware of all of his environment and everything that went on around him so he had a huge impact on me had a huge uh, impact on my community and um and uh you know we really were um just just it was the most joyful time in my life completely and uh, we had a dream together that we would have, um, that we would combine his love of dancing and, and helping to bring dance into uh, the life, along with my passion of helping people sharing their stories, and that we would find a retreat center together where he could do his dancing um, and, and teach people dance, and I could uh, help people with writing. 
And so we had looked for a few places and nothing was right because basically, you know, wherever it was, there was never anywhere that was a big enough space for people either to gather or to dance. Um, you know, there, there was never enough kind of public space. Um, anyway, there, fast forward to um, what is now just about coming up to two years ago. Um, uh, it was when COVID was kind of at its peak. Uh, here in Puerto Vallarta, um, Azuka got a uh, bacterial infection. Um, we didn't realize at the time that it was a bacterial infection, um, but he's never been ill a day in his whole life. He's just, you know, no childhood illnesses, nothing. So it was extremely unusual that he woke up in the morning with a really, really bad fever. You know, he was burning up and uh, I've never seen anything like that. Um, and I was very concerned about him. Um, obviously, his immune system was very low and he had gone to um, go to the doctors, you know, to, to find out what was going on. And uh, we figured out that that is where, because his immune system was low, he actually got COVID um, and then he gave COVID to me. So we ended up uh, two weeks um, isolated out in the jungle, which is where we lived um literally dying we were uh we were to the point where both of us uh we couldn't get out of the bed to um you know eat drink pee nothing like we were we didn't have any energy uh wow. nothing whatsoever and um one of our friends had called uh zuka because she was worried because she hadn't heard from us and a lot of people at that time were going down with covid and zuka had answered the phone and he had managed to get uh, you know over to her that we were very ill and we needed some help um and she organized an ambulance to come uh wow. to to the house and uh so we uh as soon as the ambulance came uh me and Azuka were kind of sitting there waiting for the ambulance and and I kind of looked at Azuka and he looked at me and and I, and I kind of remember looking at my fingers and going my fingers are blue. I don't think this is normal to have blue fingers. And then I looked over at him and I'm like, Zuka, you got a blue face. And like, we were literally like starving of oxygen. Okay. And the, um, the ambulance took, they took a long time to get all their COVID, you know, kind of all the, all that big bubble suits and protective gear and what have you. And, you know, like literally it felt like we were we were on our last legs as they're trying to get us into the ambulance. You know, um, uh, they put us on emergency oxygen. And by the time we got to the um, to the to the hospital, which was another game because nobody would admit us, you know, unless we paid forty thousand dollars because we didn't have um, any insurance. Um, so I'd ended up sort of using my credit card and all my business line of credit and everything to get us admitted into a hospital. Um, and, um, as soon as we were admitted, you know, they both kind of, you know, tested us and they were, we were both below 70% oxygen and, you know, they gave us a very slim chance of survival, um, wow. either of us really. And, um, Azuka, I think at that point, uh, made a choice uh, to save me. And I, I believe that he gave me all of his energy uh, to save my life. Um, because like I say, he he's never been a, ill a day in his life. And I always was very convinced that he could overcome 
anything, you know, and, and he, he believed, he believed in anything, you know, he could manifest anything. And I, and I truly believe that at that point, that's what he decided. And uh, he was put into, um, uh, on life support. Um, and, uh, you know, and I slowly got better. So it was five days, um, uh, to the point where I started, I was able to just, you know, sit up in bed and have, be on oxygen. And then I found out that they had put him on uh, life support and, uh, you know, that the, his chances were, were very slim. And so, um, I was absolutely determined to try and, uh, get to the point where I could go and visit him in intensive care so that I could convince him to come back. Um, but I mean, as I was holding his hands, I, you know, I already knew that he'd passed. I could just, I could sense, I could sense that he was not there in his body. You know, he'd already gone to the other side. I just, I just knew it. Um, but I did try everything. I had, a, you know, fundraising and I had um, mass prayers and, you know, I did everything I could with everything I could to try and get him to come back. Um, but after 17 days, um, uh, he passed and it was, I, and at the time I was just, I was really, I was so determined that this story, this inspiring story would not end this way. You know, I, I had convinced myself that this was part of the story that we were showing people that love would, would, you know, conquer everything and that, that, you know, it, he would survive. Um, and I think everybody that was following the story thought the same thing, but, and so I think there were a lot of people that were absolutely devastated and, and surprised, you know, when he passed. Um, and of course I was just in a very bad situation. I had never lost anybody in my whole life, not even my parents, wow. you know, none of my siblings, I've never ever had a death in the family. So it hit me really hard because I'd never you know never experienced well, also because it's the love of your life that you feel and yes but yeah I mean even I'm so sorry I had no idea the level of what you went through and I mean I knew he passed but we want to show a more a more spiritual beautiful side because we know he didn't actually leave you and that yeah. continues the story and so one of the things I think um even though everybody wanted including yourself wanted it to be that story of that love conquers all. I still think you do have that story of love conquers all. And, yes. you know, the story for, for those listening that sometimes when people pass, there is a greater reason, um, yes. you yes. know, and, and I've, I've expressed that many times throughout this, uh, throughout this podcast, you know, that there, there, Sometimes people have to choose to leave for a bigger opportunity or a bigger door yes. to open. And yeah. so, yeah, if we and I, it, it took a while for me to accept that. Um, but I had, um, I had an astral reading, um, from a dear friend, Ali, and uh, he does human design, and he did an astral human design reading, and you know, he told me that um, Azuka was destined to die. Um, on his 47th birthday, uh, that was his destiny, um, that his life purpose uh, was to help and support me um, so that I could carry out um, my life purpose. 
and that from the um, from the other side, uh, he would be able to do more on that side to help and support me than he ever could um, on on Earth. He was his his light was too bright for everybody here. Um, it was it was way too bright, and 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 people uh, found it very difficult. Um, you know, he couldn't hold down a job because people said, you know, he was. They would tell him to stop dancing, stop singing, stop laughing. You know, it was just he was too big. Um, but on the other side, he was very very powerful, and he was able to make magic happen. Even though I I was in a very um, deep place of grief. And I I didn't know how to get out of that place. Um, but Azuka knew so many people and, you know, all the people that of my friends and my spiritual friends that he met in Vancouver, that he was communicating to me through all those people because he could not communicate with me directly. I was vibrating way too low in grief. And so he was literally contacting uh, all of the people that he had connected with that he knew were deeply um, spiritual people and he was sending me messages through them. So I was getting a lot of messages from a lot of people. Oh, Azuka came to me in the dream last night. He said this, you know, Azuka came to me, um, you know, in, in a flickering light and he said this. And, you know, it wasn't just one person. It was multiple people that were, my phone was literally blowing up with people that were coming to me, giving me messages. Um, and, but I still had a lot of resistance. And, uh, and so then he sent me um, Vicente, who is um, is still with me now as my companion, and Vicente um, was was uh, sent to me as my companion to to protect me, to help me, and to he actually ended up being um, a direct channel for Azuka. So uh, one evening we were having dinner together, and he just looked at me and he said, "I I give Azuka permission to use my body." And the minute he said that, Azuka just like was there. I mean, like I had absolutely no doubt on any level that it was Azuka. Um, you know, his actions, his mannerisms, um, you know, he just he just like literally dived on me and he was crying and sobbing and telling me how much he loved me and saying how sorry he was, um, that he didn't mean to go, but you know, um, it had to be that way. And uh, and we just like he just told me everything that he he needed to tell me uh, through Vicente. And so then Vicente became the channel for Azuka. And, uh, you know, I still had some resistance, but, you know, because the, I've never experienced anything like this before. Um, but, you know, Azuka was such a big energy that there was never any doubt. You know, Vicente and Azuka, very, very different personalities. So I'd know straight away when Azuka's talking because of his mannerisms, the way he was, everything was completely different. And basically, I was led to this building. So this was not anything in my humanness that I would have taken on, on any level whatsoever. Um, the project is way too big uh, in, in, my, in my humanness, in my own mind, I would say that is ridiculous. I, I, why would I buy such a cr crazy building? You know, it's five floors high. 
Um, it was a, a Mexican building that was an apartment building. You know, it would have needed a lot of work to make it into a retreat center. Um, it's right in the middle of Old Town. And, you know, I've always wanted, I've always lived out in the jungle. I like absolute quiet. I don't like the sort of downtown life, you know, we're busy, busy. And I'm just like, this is like so far away from what I would in my humanness say is the right place for a retreat center. Uh, but I also knew it was exactly what Azuka would have chosen. He would have absolutely definitely chosen this place. It's right in a Mexican neighborhood. Uh, we have the uh, Hucho people that live behind us. Um, you know, they dance and they sing and they play the drums and you often see them walking down, jingling, you know, with their legs jingling, with their bells on their ankles. And I, you know, like I could totally see Azuka completely living here. Um, but now I've been here for a year, I realize how absolutely perfect this place is, you know, despite the fact that it's been incredibly hard work for me because I have had no experience in my lifetime in construction, interior design, remodeling, finding investors, decoration. I mean, you name it. I literally have no experience to take on a five-story building with absolutely no money. I mean, like I was $120,000 in debt from the hospital bill. Um, you know, still owe tens of thousands of dollars to people that gave me micro loans to try and help me uh, with the hospital bill. And and yet here I am crazily negotiating a buy to sell, a rent to buy agreement so that I've got six months to try and figure out where the hell the money's coming from. Right. So I, every single thing that I did was absolutely um, just channeled to me it was just a knowing I would just open my mouth and stuff would come out I'm like I have no idea where that came from you know I would like literally be at my computer and I would be creating a whole pitch deck uh for investors and I just like I have never done a pitch deck in my life I don't know where this came from I know that I went on some course two years ago and it just popped up on my computer and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did that two years ago. I completely forgot all about that. And there's a template. And I create this whole pitch deck for investors. And then I start sort of pitching people with this financial model. And people are going, where the hell did that come from? It's brilliant. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just, I was just typing and it just came out. And, you know, it was based on kind of timeshare. So buying into time in the retreat center um, and Michelle was one of our first investors. And so Michelle, when she when she came to me, she was just like, Julie, I, I have to do this. I have got absolutely no choice. She says, I for three nights, I have not been able to sleep. Uh, it's constant. The whole night is like, you've got wow. to work with Julie. You've got to partner with Julie. You've got to do podcast retreats in Mexico. And she's like, the noise was so loud that I could not shut it up unless I, I contacted you. So here I am. Let's do this, Julie. I'm 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 gonna do it. I'm gonna be your first investor. Um, count me in for two weeks. And and that was then my kind of incentive to do everything I did because you know, here I am. I'm in my podcast studio. I had no plans to have podcast studios. Like I have don't know how to do a podcast studio. I don't know the first thing about creating a podcast studio. But Michelle was my first investor and she said, I'm investing you, Julie. Is there any way? Uh, we need to have podcast studios. And I was like, um, hmm. 
Yeah, actually, there's a free bed apartment. I could turn that. I could in, I could turn the free bedrooms into podcast studios. Would that work? And she's like, yeah, totally. And I'm like, okay, all right, let's do it then. So, you know, th- that's it. That's how the whole thing happened. So this, this uh, where I am now is one of the podcast studios. Alicia's sitting outside in the public space, which is like the co-work space. And then upstairs, there's two more podcast studios. Um, I had the vision for the 14 people uh, uh, Perotti solid wood table and, and it's on the fifth floor that's up like I don't know like 70 stairs wow. right so 70 gorgeous. stairs that and it's solid table. wood solid wood it's like uh what's that in feet I don't know that's 1.4 meters so that's what 12 I don't know how many feet oh anyway. it's, it's a big it's, table yeah, it's like, huge it's like yeah. 14 feet yeah long or whatever and and you know like everybody said that is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard julie you can there's no way that you can have a solid wood table like on the fifth floor of this huge building like come on like i mean you're just a stupid woman how could you ever consider that that is possible uh you know you don't even have perotti wood uh trees that big they're not that tall and I'm like, I don't care. I've seen the vision. And, and that's how big it is. It's 14 people. There's 14 beds and there's 14 people. So if there's 14 beds, we have to have a table for 14 people. There's, there's wow. no there's no other choice about this. And I've seen it. And I know it's there. And, and we just have to knock this wall down so that it fits, right? So I'm just I'm like, this is the room wow. it's got to be in. And I could totally see it. I could totally see, you know, that it's a big open space with the with the view of the ocean. Um and then uh, the staircase to the roof is there. And it's like, you can't put a staircase there. That's ridiculous. That's that's a private apartment. I'm like, no, it's not going to be a private apartment. It's going to be the event space. And like, what do you mean it's the event space? It's the penthouse apartment. Why would you turn a penthouse apartment into the event space? I'm like, because that's what I saw. That's what it's supposed to be like. We're supposed to have a 14-foot table and a staircase that goes up to the rooftop, which is going to have the biggest wooden dance floor in Puerto Vallarta and they're like you can't have wow. wood in this climate that's impossible I'm like well apparently I can because <laughs> that's what's gonna happen and and literally that is how this place was created like every everything I did came to me in that way I you know I started painting walls crazy colors I mean I had the vision that it was inspired by Frida because me and Azuko were at the Frida Museum and we walked into that museum and I and we both said, oh, my God, this is going to be the colors of our, of our retreat center. Like, you know, bright pink, bright blue, bright yellow. You know, these are the colors. This is what the whole place is going to be painted like. And it is, you know, and I and as I'm painting walls, people are going, whoa, that's brave. <laughs> You're like painting that wall pink and that wall yellow and that wall, whoa, that's really brave. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. And that's this is just the way it's going to be. And, you know, and when it's done, everyone's like going, wow, that's amazing. How did you do that? And I'm like, I just yeah. saw it. This I place, just saw it. This place is so magical. It's one of the most... Um, I mean, when Julie said, welcome home, I never felt more home. It was really, and that's what, to continue on the crazy spiritual story for those that may not have heard, is that when Julie asked me to stay, and I did share this in episode 75 of this podcast a little bit, but she got pulled away to Guadalajara for a couple of days. This was over American Thanksgiving, and I had another spiritual experience in this place. 
and I was shown how it was the house of God of many mansions, just wow. with many rooms. And I was shown and I was given <laughs> this um, beautiful message connected to the soul clock. And, um, and it was so profound. And so, I mean, that it's, it's the reason I wanted you to hear the story, Theotis, because this is how I got connected to sharing. And Michelle is, a, is an ambassador of sharing. And, you know, that's why when I was telling Julie about, I said, you know, we need to figure out the way we can create passive income to support that we're not constantly searching for the way of how to be paying for everything. And we can just keep doing and creating what we're here to create. So I'm going to mm -hmm. let Theoda share a little bit about that. But I do want to add, um, there's a new thing coming about, and that has to do with TEDx. And you, I guess, saw another vision because you're you're making it happen, Julie. But what yeah. have you been? What have been? What have been the mix of creating now? <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, I mean, the whole the whole thing about the house of influence, and and you know, I understand the the vision and how big this is now. And uh, that's why I've been so kind of driven to make this happen. I, influence is, influence can be used for the good or it can be used for the bad, right? People can learn to influence for the bad. You know, a lot of politicians, a lot of kind of salesmen, you know, they, they learn how to influence people, to coerce them into things. Or there's good influence where we're basically making the world a better place. So we're influencing other people to see the world in a different way and to actually help them understand that, you know, there are a lot of people around in the world now that are living at a higher consciousness level. And our job is to bring other people to that higher consciousness level. And with the gifts that we have, we need the platforms to be able to do that. And so the House of Influence is all about providing those platforms for people to influence the world for a better place. And so we have podcast studios uh, to help people understand how to create a podcast uh, podcast show. We have a stage upstairs uh, where we're going to be training people how to speak um, and of course, I'm a book publisher, so people can share their stories uh, through the platform of a book. And it seemed, uh, it just seemed logical. And uh, I don't know, this, like, it just came to me one day, I am a TED speaker. And I'm like, well, oh, I wonder if there's ever been a TED event in Puerto Vallarta. And so I looked it up and sure enough, there's never been a TED event in Puerto Vallarta. Uh, there's oh. never been, in fact, an English speaking TED event in the whole of Mexico. And what? so, right, never, 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 like no English speaking TED event in all of Mexico, right? Uh, there has been in different South American countries, but not in Mexico. There has never been an English speaking TED event. So I thought, well, let's do it then. If it's never been done before, let's do it. Because now if we'll be on the map as the house of influence with using the biggest vehicle, which is TED, to influence people in Mexico. So we are in the process of applying for the license. 
uh, to be the first official licensed um, TED organizer in Mexico. And uh, the, the event will take part May the 11th. And <laughs> along with that, uh, we are creating really? all the other English-speaking platforms to support that. So um, I am already uh, featured on the first English-speaking FM radio show um, that started like five weeks ago. Um, the uh, premiere of the first English-speaking TV show was last Wednesday, um, and we will be getting the 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 the, the um. The birth of, uh, or the birthing of a TED speaker. What did we call it, Alicia? I can't remember. <laughs> we came up with a really great, the uh, like a kind of TV reality show, if you like. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's the, uh, it's it's it the, a reality show that shows, you know, how people become authors, how people become TED speakers, how people become podcasters. You know, it's literally like a TV reality show where we're going to be showing, inspiring people uh, through TV, through radio, through the TED speaking, through books and through podcasts that basically, <laughs> right? Like all of those mediums come through the house of influence where we're going to be helping people understand we can make the world a better place. It does not have to be politicians that are making the world a better place or that, that are influencing. We can be doing the influence here at the House of Influence through all of these platforms. And so, and it's all happening. Like the people are just dropping into place. I say that Azuka is up there like a puppet. He's like, He's literally like a puppet master and he's just navigating everybody, putting putting all the right people in the right places to make all the right connections so that everybody is connected to make magic happen. And that's what's happening. I mean, come on, honestly, the wow. first English speaking TV show, the first FM radio show, the first TEDx event. I mean, this is not a coincidence. No, so, it's, it's not. And I actually want to connect to today is July 15th. 2023. So we want to talk about when things happen. Um, so I, my story started with my father being terminally ill. I was born, engaged, and married in the same hospital. And that, that's all shared in episode one. Well, shockingly enough, today was the day that I found out something was happening with my now ex-husband in the whole situation that was going on. And it was his birthday. And this I didn't realize until today that I was like, oh my goodness, we're going to be recording this episode on this day. Now, for anybody listening, they want to go back and hear the first episode. It was it was the gift. I wasn't meant to be with him for as long. I was meant to be with him for as long as I was meant to be with him. But why I, I want to bring this other piece into, I wasn't planning on this until you just did, Julie, but July 22nd is when this episode is going to be coming out. It always comes out on a Saturday. And um, July 22nd, 2020 is when I was working with a friend, Annette Parker, amazing um, spiritual healer who she, she put me, she, she has her own modality called Vibe. And I literally saw people falling out of the sky like puzzle pieces. And this is before I knew anybody. And wow. so when you talk about the divine design of how we're all brought together um you know first time i heard michelle i knew she was meant to be my podcast producer i ended up canceling my trip to denver because i was told to cancel this trip and then someone canceled 
or somebody on the podcasting retreat um, actually uh, had paid and but couldn't go. I actually just remember this. I just met her. I met her when I was with Michelle Julie in Vegas. And unfortunately, I'm drawing a blank on her name. So sorry about that right now. But I was like, oh, my goodness, you're the one that I took the space for. And and because of that, I ended up, you know, going to San Diego because I had lost my or my phone was all taken, hacked, all this crazy stuff had happened. I went to San Diego and that's how I ended up, you know, working with with sharing. So when we talk about this unbelievable, like, how can we be of influence for the positive? Now I want to share a little bit about sharing, because sharing is, is um, we'd like to say it's uh, social entrepreneurship, um, it's social marketing in the sense that because it isn't about manipulation, it's about what you actually believe in. And so... Theotis, I would love for you to give Julie just a little bit about because you received a vision and that's all you've been trying to do is fulfill this vision, right? And so mm-hmm. how, so because when we're looking at how we're able to fund all these things, and this is for everybody listening, you know, we have all these, so many of us have these big, you know, our big passions and big missions in life. But how do we bring those to fruition without the, you know, without the money? And so, as you like to say, Theotis, you, it's the holy grail is when we can create passive income. So mm-hmm. Thank please you, share Alicia. on, yeah, what, what you've all heard on this, because isn't this an incredible story? Julie, I mean, your story is amazing. It had me in tears. I feel like crying right now because <laughs> um, I really understand what you're saying to, on the deepest level. I have a couple of questions on dates and then I'll tell you what I'm, I'm thinking um, after I heard your story. Uh, you mentioned May 11th. Um, what is, is that when you're going to do your, you're going to do what on May 11th? Is that 2024? Yeah, that's the actual TED event. So um, they say that it's, I mean, it takes about eight to 12 weeks to get the actual license. Um, and mm. then you need about three or four months, you know, to actually prepare, um, probably more than that. So we figured May would be a good date, uh, because, um, it's the end of the high season. Um, and it gives us enough time to do the planning, you know, before we go into the high season and get too busy. And so uh, May the 11th was basically the first kind of uh, Saturday that seemed to make sense um, in terms of. So that was the okay. date that we picked for the TEDx so, event. So let me explain to you, because Alicia's big on dates, because, you know, and, you know, they're they they kind of like, you know, give us confirmation that of something working and you know that was meant to be type of a thing yes when, when we started doing um you know what we do today you know you know basically four decades september 24th will be four decades or 25th um and we wanted to figure out what kind of entity we were going to start with and we and, and so we decided to do a 508 c1a as alicia m- mentioned so we we filed it and registered with the u.s government and they give they authorized us to be uh, you know or or you know gave us our tax ID number, which is eight one two five nine 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 five nines. So 
it literally gave us our our launch date in the in our tax ID number because August first, twenty five years prior, is when God gave me the vision to do what we're gonna do, and but we got our tax ID number in two thousand sixteen on May eleventh. Wow. <laughs> From the federal government, I have a I have a sheet of it. I always show it because five is my number. Uh, my wife, Dr. Amy, her, her number. She's a um, training uh, the um, managing director for sharing. So her number is eleven. So we thought it was ironic or ironic that it was five eleven that the got the, the we got our tax ID number. And here you're telling me that your first TEDx is going to be on May eleventh. And I'm saying, man, I got to be there on May 11th <laughs> to do a TEDx. My first one, I got to go lose weight. I'm actually, I got my app I'm going to do. I'm going to start losing weight and be ready for my first TEDx. I just registered my domain for to get ready for it. TEDxforyou.com was available. That's you know, so what amazing. Yeah. All these confirmations. So I'm well, excited. Well, I want to add that. one more confirmation. So it was May 10th, 2015 that I had my experience with God, but it was continuing into May 11th. And May mm -hmm. 11th was when I, I was being schooled of being shown like how, how soulmates work, how, you know, um, reincarnation, how natural disasters, why all these things, how money works. And it was just shown like, you know, as long as you're doing God's work, you can, you can have whatever you want. Just understand within balance. And I was like, what are you showing me? Like, what is going on? So that's why when sharing came into the picture, um, it was so powerful. So then when Julie told me about May 11th, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And I was like, oh, the Otis is going <laughs> to love this one. So you kept it a secret. See, look at I, you. Well, you know, it's like this little guy, baby Yoda. I kept this little guy secret for quite a while, but, but you know, it, I mean, yeah, seriously, Yoda, you should, you should apply for a TED oh, talk. Man. I mean, I, I'm there. I'm ready. you should be coming. If you, if you, you should invite come me, down Julie, and, I should say. You should, well, you should come down and do the TEDx writing retreat. Who knows? Who knows? How oh, yeah, that's here. really, that's such a good idea. I mean, so, and so that's part of, of what I'm doing is, so my my publishing company uh, started off as a coaching company called Inspire a Book because my TED speech is about me being dyslexic. So I tell everybody, you know, I'm a dyslexic publisher. So if you have dyslexia or ADHD or autism or any of these labels that tell you that you can't be a writer, then I am living proof that I have dyslexia. And so, and I'm a book publisher and I'm using my gift of, of dyslexia to actually inspire and help people to write books. And so the fact that my TEDx talk is called The Gift of Dyslexia, what I'm now doing is the next step, which is inspiring people to give a TED talk. So I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of misunderstanding about TED. TED actually likes people that have not had any uh, speaking experience before. A lot of people think that you have to be an experienced speaker to be a TED speaker, and it's not the case at all in fact it's quite the opposite ted absolutely loves people that are standing on the stage from a vulnerable vulnerable place telling their story for the first time to inspire other people and to start a thousand conversations and so literally 
I'm like, okay, here I am now. So now I'm in the house of influence. Not only can I inspire people to write books and inspire people to do podcast show because I'm now connected with Michelle, but now I can actually inspire and help people to do a TED talk. And hey, I've got the wow. stage so I can actually host it. So, you know, That's it amazing. is, yeah. I mean, literally I am, I'm inspiring people. And you know what I found out just this morning on the phone, Alicia, this is like amazing. Shelly is from um, Alert Bay, which is a is a very large uh, First Nations um, Aboriginal community in, in Canada. Um, and, you know, the community itself, you know, has been through a lot of intergenerational trauma. And Shelly came here uh, to do a, a book retreat, right, to, to write a chapter. Now, for her whole community, she says, the little girl from the res went down to Port Vallarta to write a book. You know, it's just like her whole community is like, oh, my God, wow. she's going to write a book. That's amazing. And so she went back to her reservation and she said, you know what? You can do this, too. And so she's bringing wow. four people. She's bringing her two sons and her I think it's her mother-in-law and her cousin or I'm not sure, but four people from the reservation and um, and Jennifer, who's the co-facilitator with me. Um, she's like, she's going to do it, you know, and she's she's going to find the money. She's going to find the funding for it. No problem. And she she just texted me this morning. She goes, Julie, I found somebody who can help me get the funding for me and four other people from the reservation to come and wow. be that author and to be able to learn how to do TED books. And so oh. I said, you know, that's it. We're not, I mean, we're not dealing with like rich Californians here. We're talking about the poorest of the poor that are in, in, in really bad places of trauma, alcoholism, you know, sexual abuse, you know, like really terrible, terrible situations. Alert Bay is in the, I mean, like it's the furthest North of Canada uh, literally is a little island isolated and they're just left to their own devices up there and uh and she's proving to that whole reservation you guys can do this i no. did this i'm the little girl from the res and i went all the way down to Puerto Vallarta, <laughs> and i am now the author of a book and i am going back and i'm going to learn how to do a ted talk and i'm going to do a podcast show and she's just like wow. on fire and she's now got four other people that she's bringing down with her in November. So that's like, this incredible. is, yeah, honestly. And that's what this is going to be. Alicia feels this is all about the house of influence. This is all about empowering and inspiring people to do the things that everybody else thinks that, you know, you've got to be qualified in this or, or have loads of money to be able to do it. And it's like, no, everybody can do this. Everybody can be the author of a book. Everybody can have a podcast show. Anybody can page. be a TED speaker, right? We yeah. just we just have to empower them and inspire them to do it. And and then the money's there. The grant money's exactly. there. It'll appear. It, well, just, it just appears. I'm super excited to be part of the TEDx team to help bring this. And also be, it sounds like with even the retreats and everything, being able to help with that with my with my background, my degree in hotel restaurant management, I was telling Julie, I was like, hey, I can help make this, you know, help facilitate things a little easier also, you know, so you can just be in your genius for when you're in that time. And there's just, there's so much co-creating going on, which I'm so, so, so excited about. But Theotis, I want you to give Julie the opportunity, give the, have the opportunity yeah, to explain sharing because sharing can help facilitate and be that uh, 
be that funding that people are looking for. Oh, to, totally. Yeah. So please, share away. <laughs> Look, I got one more date, though. I got to get out of the way. Okay. Julie. <laughs> Vincente. When did you meet Vincente? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, it was a few months after Azuka passed. So Azuka passed August the 17th. And it would have been a few months after that. So September, October. I remember that we went to Halloween party together October the 31st. Somewhere around mid-October, I would say. Either the beginning or middle of October. Okay, because um, when you tell me your story, I just seen so many parallels. When you told me about, uh, is it Asuka? Asuka? Yes, Asuka. Asuka. Um, you know, because my mom always wanted me to go to Mexico to learn Spanish because she's she's from Mexico. My mother is. She's from oh, wow. Michoacan. And oh so, wow! So I've never learned Spanish, but my other brothers have, and and so when you told me you guys fell in love, and then. You know, he learned English. Did you, did you learn Spanish? Did you actually learn Spanish? A little bit. Not as much. Bit. Well, I, 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 I'm still trying to learn it because of my dyslexia. Okay. It's it's a it's a real challenge. I have to learn it yes. phonetically. And uh, so I am. Yeah, I can I can get by, you know, I can have a okay. conversation. <laughs> good, good. And I just resonated with your story because uh, Azuka, he um, he had a heart for the homeless and so do i that's mm -hmm. how sharing started right. is is, to, is built for the homeless to help the homeless make money because if the homeless can make money anyone can make money is that's how right. i believe right and yes. for homeless not to be homeless if they make money they can not be homeless anymore so for decades we, we searched for companies products and services that, any, that anyone could do including the homeless and so we found these incredible products and services that help people uh, we focus on cryptocurrency because it's the the evening playing fields where everyone can earn every day. Um, and back in 2021, um, Alicia, you know, and I and, and other people were doing this smart contract. It was a, a cryptocurrency program, and we made seven hundred thousand in forty five days. And wow. I, I'm from LA, so I was doing a meeting in Vegas. And it was in July, exactly two years ago. And I thought I got fever, I got the chills, and I didn't know what was wrong. I was supposed to go. To, I was going to a meeting, and all my organs shut down. When it was and this I, in July? In July of two thousand twenty-one, and my and I died. I actually, what died. dates? What date in July? I'm gonna find out from Amy because um, I know it was in July, so I I died. And then, you know, she, you know, with her help, you know, God brought allowed me to come back. But I went to the hospital because I'm a vet, a marine, so I actually went to the vet, veterans hospital, and you know, I barely made it there, um, you know, because I, I, I couldn't breathe. And so anyway, they, they, I was in a hospital twice on oxygen for two and a half months. I couldn't even go outside for a whole year. Because when the oxygen hit me, my oxygen levels went in the 70s. And so I literally couldn't go across the parking lot without dying. So I found this product that helped me get better, you know, all natural product, you know, uh, after a year later. But when I got, when I, when I came back from COVID and I was, you know, coming, you know, coming back around the same time you met Vincente, I said, you know, 
that I can't do this alone anymore. I can't do sharing alone by myself. I, I had to delegate. I learned that I have to like delegate and let other people help me. Mm -hmm. And that's when we started putting together our websites and everything started clicking into place. And, 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 and about two years later, we're getting ready to do our first sharing sustainability expo here in Vegas on September 23rd, 24th. <clears throat> and uh, to share to the world what all these things that we have to empower people to do whatever they're called to do, whatever God's called them to do is what, how we put it. And so it's like the, the dates correlate <clears throat> with what happened to me with COVID. And in fact, when I heard your story, I said, man, what's going on? He can't die, you know? And then the fact that, you know, you got your Vincente to carry on, you know, you know, with the mission and everything was, was again, another correlation and revelation of God working, you know, in parallel, you know, in different countries of doing something bigger than all of us to empower people to make mm -hmm. the world a better place, right? The same yeah. message. And so, you know, I'm writing a book myself now. I just started doing it. Right. And, you know, I got to, you know, find up, you know, how to get it out there, different things. But, uh, and, and my first name is Theodis. It means God goes with you. Uh, Theodis means that. And Ted, people used to call me Ted, you know, when I was younger, <laughs> as my nickname. <laughs> That's funny. Because it's for Theodis, you know. So there's a lot of parallels. But the point is, we truly do have a lot of things to help people physically, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, and, and and you'll be able to use a lot of what we have to help people, to inspire people as they figure out their mission in life, their calling, their purpose, and they're writing their stories, mm. uh, you know, to fund their books, to fund their, their passions in life. Um, and, you know, if it, if it's in any area, you know, because we have products for cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, cardiovascular disease, obesity, COVID, any, all these things that are killing us. We have answers for those things that are all natural. Mm -hmm. Right. And God allows us to go through things, you know, to learn and to help others, you know, through that same thing. And financially, we, we, we do loans, we do crypto um, to empower people to make money every day. Like we have a, we have, we do crypto mining, crypto trading, crypto gaming. It's a, it's a, uh, a video game that you play and you can do these from anywhere in the world. You can start for free. You can get started for as little as a hundred bucks or, you know, even less in poor countries. But the point is, uh, you can earn every day and you get a visa card where you can spend your crypto. We, we spend, we just got approved for another place. Uh, I mean, told you, Alicia, I was going to surprise you, but now oh. we, we just let it out of the bag. But the point is that crypto allows you to do a lot in life uh, because a lot of people right now are afraid of banks and, you know, the, mm -hmm. you know, paper money is disappearing or losing its buying power. And people are putting money back into gold, silver, crypto, you know, different things. So mm -hmm. we educate people. It's all about education, empowering mm -hmm. people through education so that they can make the right choices in mm -hmm. life, right? Yeah. Um, and what you're doing to give people hope through, you know, your books and, you know, now TEDx and your treat and everything uh, is, empower is powerful. And so we can help with, you know, providing the the 
the vehicles to help them mm -hmm. achieve what they're realizing at your events, you know, that we can make that happen because everything we have is proven. It's, it's tested, tried and true. So we know it work. They work. And we do it at the humanitarian level. It's not buying, selling like the world does, convincing people to do something. We do it in a way that it's giving, receiving, sharing, empowering, equipping, right? That's that energy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, of having having fun and and helping people. The same thing as Zuka was doing, you know, leaving no one behind, helping yeah. people, that hands-on, yeah. you know, in the trenches uh, situation, right? And yeah. that's a true humanitarian. Yes. And, yeah. And, and we want to empower people to be humanitarians to help mm -hmm. humanity. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, I even said to Alicia that, you know, the, the model that I have for the multi-author book um, has already made a lot of money for charity through different organizations. So, for example, we had uh, this organization we work with called Woman of Worth, and she would have mm -hmm. like 15 women in one book, right? So each each person would write one chapter. It would be an inspiring chapter to a to a theme that I would I would manage that whole side of things. But 15 people, and she would charge three thousand dollars for each person that wanted to write a chapter. So she she would get in income forty five thousand dollars for each book because everyone's basically sharing in the cost right of the publication right. so and they know that they're going to get loads of publicity from it they're not just writing a chapter that you know they're going to get a lot of exposure by writing a chapter in a book now my, the actual publishing costs um are only uh, 10,000 so that then leaves $35,000 that she can then use to either you know scholarship people into the book or she can right. use for, you know, other em empowering, uh, uh, you know, women's conferences or or whatever, you know, from that money. So she would from she would do three books a year. So basically she would raise one hundred thousand dollars just by doing three books. And that is by wow. basically uh, each person pays to be in a chapter now. Obviously, the best way to do it is that you've got a combination of people that are paying to be in a chapter, right? So they're 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 right. sponsoring, if you like, either themselves to be in a chapter, or they might be sponsoring somebody else to be in a chapter, or they're they're giving money for a scholarship, right? But the model means that you know each book can potentially make like thirty thousand dollars easily just from that model of charging people. For the publicity and and the and the teaching to actually learn how to do it you know how do i write a chapter in a book you know how what do i write about right. and you know and then all the editing and the proofreading and the design and everything i mean and these are costs that people are used to i mean there's in in california right now and in canada there's people that are that are doing group books like this and they're charging like five thousand dollars a chapter because it really is they're realizing you know how much credibility you actually get by being a published author so i said to alicia i don't know quite how sharing works but if there's some way that we can add in some kind of scholarship program where we say hey you know you buy into this 
And then what you actually get in return is you actually get to come to Puerto Vallarta. You get to have a one week learning how to write a book, how to publish a book. And then from that, that credibility, you learn how to do a TED talk, you learn how to do a podcast. That's so it's incredible. basically, so right? I get it. So what 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 does it cost to do that? Like what's the going cost right now? Uh, so the so what I'm doing the partnerships I'm doing right now is I charge uh ten thousand is the actual publishing cost so that is basically uh it's it's uh the development of the book which is a story development structural editing development development of the story that's what I do that's that's my specialty is the actual development of the story so the workshops that I do is actually pulling the story out of people right. Then it goes to editing. So it's content editing, it's proofreading, um, it's the stylistic editing. So it means anybody can write basically, because I can give my team of writers, you know, something that looks as rough as a as as, as journal <laughs> notes, and they can make it sound brilliant, right? So I that's why I say anybody can be a writer, right? As long as you can talk and tell your story then we can get that put into a written word in a way that I can then give to the editors and they do everything there. It's a handpicked team. I've been working with them for six years. They can turn anybody's story into really good writing. Well, right? That's yeah. what I was oh. thinking with the sharing the ambassadors. We could incorporate something around the ambassadors and that everybody can become, you know, they can write their story and, you know, there's yeah. so much that we could be talking about, but I, I do realize we're still we're still recording your episode here, Julie. So yes, yeah. well, I mean, it's something that I'm it's something I'm passionate yeah, about it's, because it's so it, it comes. Yeah, well, because it's like I'm saying with Shelley with the First Nations, you know, she's able to share those stories in a book, and so you know what it works out to each person is basically three thousand dollars, and three thousand dollars gives them all of the education. Um, and all of the editing or the publishing costs and a week in Puerto Vallarta, which yeah, then, amazing. you know, yeah. So, so so they so they have to get here though. But that, is that right? They have to pay their way here. Yeah. And then and then once they're here, um is, is lodging taken care of or yeah, anything? It's all taken the food, what about the room food too? Everything. For three thousand dollars, it's 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 the room, it's food. It's some cultural excursions. So we we get to, you know, show them the real Puerto Vallarta, the real Mexico. Whoa. And then it's all of the teaching. It's a whole week of teaching. Um that's to incredible. The point, that's right? a bargain. Right? Are, 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 are hugs included or do we have to pay extra for hugs? Our hugs and smiles are definitely included. Yes. <laughs> and no. and that and you can make money out of that, because that's what I'm saying. You know, when when you come so like Jennifer is the co-facilitator of this book with therapists, right? And so she is paying 10,000 for the actual uh, publishing side of it. And then 10,000 for the 14 rooms, food for 14 people and excursions, cultural excursions for 14 people. So that's only 10,000. When you do that, 10,000 divided by 14, that's not, that's not even a thousand dollars per person for accommodation, food, and excursions, right? So the total price is 20,000, right? So if she brings 10 people and she charges them 3,000 each, then that's 30,000. She's already making 10,000 profit already, right? And if she brings 14 people, 
what's that? That's another three, six, nine. That's another 12,000 profit, right? So the, the cost never changes. The cost is my wow. raw costs. It's the cost of the room. It's the cost of the food and excursions. So, and it's the so, cost of the publishing. That's all so I you do. Can make, so you can make money off of the book is what you're you, saying. Correct. Yes. That's ingenious. Yeah. Man. And it goes on and it just goes on because not only are you making money producing the book, you're then making money selling the book. And so and every, there's one every, more step. Yes. Here's the other step sharing can do. Because everyone gets hope in the book and, you know, realizes their expertise and their talent, right? Yes. Uh, we have different door doorways. You know, some people want to specialize in health or wealth or having fun or whatever it is, spiritual. Then in their book, they can um, share with people, you know, all these amazing things that, you know, we have. And yes. if people, people inquire through the book and 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 buy something you know product or service or uh, you know engagement with 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 um, you know TEDx or whatever then they can make money off of sharing all these great ideas uh, and products or services and make residual income mm -hmm. through the book so it keeps making more and more and more money yep. uh, in crypto from yep. empowering people through the book exactly exactly That's and we incredible. make sure all of the books become Amazon bestsellers because I have a you know marketing wow. is my background and I know how all the algorithms work on Amazon so I can guarantee that every I was gonna say can you guarantee it I yeah. can She's I can guarantee I can guarantee that oh, every yeah. book will be a bestseller guarantee what? I I know how it all works I know how all the algorithms work I've published over three hundred authors. So I have a lot of experience in this in this realm. Well, I <laughs> a lot of people like... buy books, but they don't feel like they can get it out there and 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 make it sell. And you're telling me, and this is is that part the publishing on Amazon is is the three thousand included, or is that some yep. add on? It's all included. I just do everything at cost, Fearless. I don't make I don't make any money out of this. All I'm doing is I'm covering all of my publishing costs. I'm include I'm I'm covering my accommodation costs, the, my food costs. I don't make any money out of it. Literally, I'm just I am doing this because I love doing it and I love inspiring people and I can empower people to do this. And so that's what well, I'm with, doing. Well, with sharing, with sharing, that's how our system works. The more people you help, the more you make. So anytime people buy anything through the books or resources, uh you'll get paid as the person that is introducing them and the whole. So you literally you can send out a lot of uh, people back to their countries and to different parts of the world to help people th through the books and the TEDx's that you're teaching, you know, uh, and make residual income. So we'll show you how that works. It's a beautiful business model. The only reason yeah. I need to make money is to expand this place so I can do even of more. <laughs> exactly. That's how it works. With property that's... next door that, that I've already had the vision that we're going to own that property. So wow. me and Vicente had the same dream the same night. He came to me like two days ago and he said, oh my God, I had a dream about the property next door. And I said, yes, so did I. And we both had virtually the same dream. Wow. I said, uh, what I dreamt was, was a really big room 
um, and it had mirrors all around, like it was, you know, like it was a, a dance studio or something like that. And he said exactly the same. He said, I had the vision of a really big room. There was loads of people there. Um, and it was a big, it was a big space. And I said, yeah, that's the property next door because they were going to turn, we're going to build uh, from the roof down, right? So we extend our rooftop space, make that like twice the, the uh, twice what it is right now. But then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to build down. And instead of it being individual apartments, like we've got here, each floor is going to be one big room, one big conference room. So we can, yeah. Whoa. There'll be five so, floors of five big rooms, basically. So when's the best time to come to wait, Porta Bayata. Bayata. Yes. There you got it. What when's the best time to come? Uh in the winter. So uh November, December, January, February, March, April. That is like right now it's really ridiculously hot. And, uh, you know, even though like I'm working towards getting um, air conditioning everywhere, I like I'm literally as the money comes in, I spend it on the building straight away. So I'm I'm like, that's what I'm doing right now is as money comes in, Alicia knows I've got one air conditioning unit in, in the work workspace where we're sitting right now. She pays some rent and then she gets an air conditioner in her apartment. <laughs> that's how it works. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, this is working. It's working. It, yeah, you know, the whole thing is what you know, the whole concept with Myrony, the crazy coincidences that happen in life that we can't explain. We know they're not coincidences, we know that, that this is truly God's divine design. Azuka was a yes. master key player in so much of this. I'll even say my my parents who both passed, my nephew who passed, like everybody who is doing all of this from the other side to make this bigger vision happen. But the thing with sharing is that it really does help everybody fulfill these visions. And so with that, I'm going to, you know, I feel like Julie, you and I, we can do a lot with sharing. We can do a lot with the book. We can do a lot with, you know, explaining oh, so all of this, right? Because ultimately sharing is an educational platform. The mm -hmm. smart contract that the Otis is launching at the end of the year is going to be incredible for, from an education standpoint. So there's so many facets to this, but at least we got the introduction, got to hear your story about how Casa de Influencia, the House of Influence came about. And if anybody can question that this isn't God's work, I don't know what, you know, like it really yeah, is. Incredible truly. name. I love your name. But it's thank like, you. it's perfect. Yes. Well, well, my and my publishing company is called Influence Publishing. So it's like the word influence has always been, you know, around for <laughs> ever since I went and started business 15 years ago. So it's so, even there was no there was no other version of a house of influence. That was it. <laughs> well, I wow. knew as soon as you had a publishing company, I said, I'm going to be hiring you for all the got my all the books of because I saw a vision of Myrony Media. That was what that was one of the mm. first big ones that I got. So I was like, you are meant to be the publishing house. And we you know all of it, all of us coming together, you know, it, it is about combining our voices. And that's how we are able to have that greater influence. So mm. with that, Julie, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Okay, well, houseofinfluence.mx. 
And uh, we've got all everything on the website, all about all the different retreats that we're doing right now and uh, the book retreats, the TEDx training retreats. Uh, we have soul minding retreats. Um, we also have a healing retreat. Um, so different partners are doing different retreats here. So houseofinfluence.mx. That's the easiest way. <laughs> and wow. Yotis, you do uh, with share with sharing. Um, you do an overview on Tuesdays and mm -hmm. Thursdays at uh, shareconomy.info. That's S H A R E C O N O M Y <laughs> dot info. And as the brand ambassador with sharing for Myrony, I also do uh, Myrony Money with sharing at 12 p.m. Pacific. And that that's Pacific also, forgot to mention, 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. Pacific, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and Wednesdays at noon at shareconomy.info for anybody who wants to hear how with we- With one E, shareconomy with one E. Yep, one E. <laughs> and- <laughs> And I know, Julie, once you understand how this is able to help, it's going to help you all the retreats and all the writers coming through because this really, the place that you've created is so magical and it's just an honor. It's an honor to be here um, and just to be, I, I, I can't even imagine what is actually going to come. Everybody's going to want to come. Everyone's going to come. That's what <laughs> we're you know, you trying to, to do. You need to make, check out uh, house of influencers dot mx make sure you see if that's available too just in case people get it mixed up oh with an s yes influencers okay yeah i'll do that well influence he's saying influencers not influences yeah, yeah house of influencers hmm. to be part of theotis is very good with websites he's always getting interesting websites let's just put it that way but <laughs> yeah but well i did it and i did it in um i did do it in in spanish first which is casa de influencia.com and then i realized that people were like what influenza and i'm like no okay so then so then so then i was just like okay let's just do this in english house of influence dot, dot mx well yeah. i have a feeling we are all going to have many more conversations in the future especially recording and podcasting so but to you both thank you so much this has been just such a such an honor to hear your story julie because you know oh, for man. people that go through boss you know to show the other brighter side of course you wish he was here but he, this couldn't be happening without that and that's mm -hmm. what gives people hope and that's yeah. what gives people understanding and you know when we can look on that soul level that we are here having a spiritual experience or we're, we're spiritual beings having a human experience but our spiritual we you know that never that never ends and that's mm -hmm. the beauty of how we are able to connect. And when we really do look at the divineness of it all. Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting to see as well when Theas, you did have the, when you passed to the other side, because yes. um, Azuka did pass on his, on his birthday, which is July the 29th, even though he like was officially pronounced dead on August the 17th. Um, I know that when he went into, uh, was put on life support, went into a coma, that's when he actually left his body, which is July right. the 29th. Wow, yeah. that happened I'll on find his out birthday. For sure. Wow. Yeah, on his birthday, yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, okay. Azuka, thank you for everything that you're doing from the other side to help 
Guy Julie and in this beautiful, beautiful place, House of Influenza, as we know, Casa de Influencia, and uh, so much more to come. So again, mm-hmm. thank you to you both and the listeners. I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you all for joining me on That's Myrony Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the Myronic stories shared today and possibly got you to connect to the Myronies in your own life. As you listen to this podcast, you'll start catching signs that are so subtle, but can have the biggest impact on your life. So pay attention to that inner voice and watch the Myronies appear in your life, just like the guest in my next episode. And please connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and that's myrony.com where you can share your unbelievable myronies. Also, if you enjoyed what you heard and can take a moment to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform, it would mean so much because that is how others are able to find this podcast. Finally, please also tell your friends and family about Myrony because wouldn't it be fun to see people share their Myronies on social media in addition to their selfies? And remember, if something happens that makes you say, well, that's ironic, it's not ironic at all. It's Myronic. Now that's Myrony. See you next time.